Well, good morning, Waters Church. Are we excited about Kingdom Builders today? I got to tell you, not impressive just yet. <laughs> Should I give you another chance? Are we excited about Kingdom Builders today? Oh, much better. You guys just leapt up into favorite service right there. Just my wife and I are going to do it. We are participating. I have our check right here ready. Went to the bank yesterday for this, and we are giving this week to Kingdom Builders, and I'm only showing this to you because I need you to know. I don't just ask you to do it. I do it. We do it, my wife and I. And all series long in preparation for this offering today, I've been telling the married people that here's how it's supposed to go down. You both go your separate ways and pray God speaks to you about a specific amount Come back together again. Whoever has the higher number has heard from God. I have to watch out what I say from the stage because my wife did this. And on Monday morning, I'm getting dressed. I'm putting my pants on, and she comes up to me. She says, so what did God say to you? I'm like, huh? This is how wives work, by the way. Husbands, you know what I'm talking about? They'll start a conversation halfway through, like you're supposed to know what the conversation is about. Like, they come to you, they said yes, by the way. I'm like, who, who said yes about what? The people we were talking about inviting over, duh. Like, that's how wives are sometimes. So I'm putting my pants on on Monday morning, and my wife says, okay, so what did God say to you? I'm like, right now he's telling me to put my pants on. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's going to change his mind about that, but I think I'll get arrested if I don't listen to him here. So, no, she said, no, about the offering. And, the, and I'm like, oh, yes, the offering. I was like, oh, Cheryl. I tell the people to do that. We don't have to do that. So, no, I'm just kidding about, about that. But anyway, she says, no, I went and I prayed, and what did the Lord tell you? I said, okay, I do have a number, and the Lord gave me this number. So she's like, hmm, hmm. I'm like, what does that mean? She said, mine's higher. I said, how much higher? Come to find out hers was 80% higher than mine. Yeah. Watch out what you say from this stage. Anyway, I want to let you know, 80% higher than what my number was. I got to follow through with what I tell you to do. I don't just tell you to do it. I do it. And we are, and I'm, I'm very happy to be able to do this. We are giving to the church this, to this weekend as Kingdom Builders ourselves. We're giving one of the highest love gifts we've ever given to this church in our lifetime. And we're doing an extravagant gift. And I believe some of you also giving extravagant this weekend to Kingdom Builders. And why are we doing it? We're doing it to reach people who need Jesus. Make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, this is not about buying buildings or just funding the church or just giving your money to people. No, 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 no. It's saying, God, people matter to you, and we want to fund the vision to reach people who are not yet here at Waters Church. Can I get a good amen from Second Service about that? A lot of you are new to Waters Church, and you don't know the many, many years we raised money to get to where we are right now. Some of you do know. I can see you nodding your heads right now. Many, many times asked people to give extravagant gifts, love offerings, like today's offering. Many times in our history, for what reason? To put these walls around us today. To build the children's center that we have over there. To get our two campuses going in Milford and Woonsocket. And many, many years of people saying, I believe that people are worth it. If you've come to Waters Church recently, you've got to know something. You were already thought worth it by somebody who is sitting here before you got here. Maybe you come to church, you feel worthless. Maybe you feel like a nobody. Maybe no one else shows you that you are worth it. I got good news for you. Waters Church, believe that you were worth it before you ever showed up. Give God some praise that he saw fit to send somebody to pour into you his love for you. Amen. That's how the church works. The church is beautiful in that regard. A church that starts to turn inward and not care about people who are not in the church becomes a horrible, sickening place to be. I never want to be that kind of church. And so I'm proud to challenge you to give this weekend. I'm proud to be giving this weekend because we believe people matter to God. Amen. Take out your bulletins, if you will. In your bulletins, there is a note page that looks like this. In God We Trust, part four, the title of the message is Sowing and Growing. And I want to teach you about money today as we continue this series on money in our, in our church, In God We Trust. I'm going to teach you about how to see money, 
how to see money. And um, what our problem is many times in, in, in our country, especially because we are in a comparison-oriented culture, a comparison-oriented culture. We have so many avenues in which we can measure our lives by other people, don't we? We have social media, we have television, we have even just walk outside and walk through your neighborhood. How many know you can walk through your neighborhood and by the time you're done walking through your neighborhood, you're depressed? You're depressed because other people have nicer cars than you, better lawns than you, better landscaping than you, a newer house than you, a bigger house than you. And how many know you never look at the people that are less well, less well off than you. You're always comparing yourself to the people who are better off than you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You come back, you're like, this is why I chose not to exercise in the first place. It's going to stay in my home from now on. And so many times we have so many opportunities to compare ourselves to other people. And if we're not careful, we will fall into this trap. Here's the American dream trap. They have it better than me. I can do something about that. And so here's what we will do. We will spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress other people who don't really care. And we will find ourselves up a creek in debt and over our heads and worried and stressed and possibly on the verge of divorce because we have to pay for things that other people don't really care if we have or not. To do what? To chase what? To chase what thing are we thinking is going to satisfy our needs when the scriptures teach us that our God in heaven is able to supply all our needs according to his, not yours, his riches in glory. I love being a child of a very generous heavenly father. Anybody with me? And so today I want to teach you the better way to handle money. And today is not just about giving money to the church. Please, please, please don't think that. I want to teach you about whole life money management. And I, there's a lot to say, and I've got another venue in which you can get more about this. We'll talk about it in the message. But today we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And if you would stand with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we stand for the reading of God's word because when we read from this word, we are not hearing the words of men, we are hearing the words of Almighty God. In chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, Paul is raising money from the Corinthian church and he's teaching them about how to see money in order to be people who know how to give money. And what he's going to talk about is sowing and growing. And so here's what it says, chapter 8, 2 Corinthians, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, what does he want them to know? We want you to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. These are churches in another region of the world. And he says, for in a severe test of affliction, they were struggling. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Notice what Paul puts together there. Uh, abundance of joy, extreme poverty, but overflowed in a wealth of generosity. How can poverty and joy and generosity all reside in the same people? That's the power of the joy of Jesus Christ. Jesus can take joy, pe uh, poverty-stricken people, turn them into joyful givers through his grace. And so here's what he says. He says, for I can testify that beyond their means and of their own accord, they gave according to their means. And he says this, begging us, verse 4, begging us, Paul says, his ministry team, begging us for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this they did, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. In other words, tithes. They gave their tithes first to the Lord. And then by the will of God to us, and Paul's raising money for the mission in Jerusalem. Okay, so... Skip down with me to chapter 9, verse 6, and here's the principle that he gets to. It's a powerful principle. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves, and you could probably finish this phrase, for God loves a... Yeah, cheerful giver. You've heard that line before. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Lots of alls, lots of everys there. Skip to verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower. Say seed to the sower on the count of three. One, two, three. Seed to the sower. He supplies what? Seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched 
in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And this is God's word. Let's pray. Ask him to speak to us today. Father, I ask that your word will be sharp today. It'll pierce the dividing of soul and spirit, and it will help us see you and know you and trust you and follow you and live for you. May every ear be opened by the power of the Holy Spirit, and may the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and always, Father, we pray, may we see Jesus. In his mighty name we pray these things, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Kingdom builders today. Kingdom builders. I want to teach you how to see money. I want to teach you how to see money because... It's a huge part of our lives. And Paul does something very interesting here when he, when he, talks, about, when he talks about money. He, he compares money to a seed. This is a very interesting little tactic that he uses to talk about giving. Like, you're talking about raising money, Paul, and now you're talking about seeds. What's the deal? I don't get it. And he's like, no, no, I'm trying to teach you how to see money because money is a seed. So number one in your notes, if you're, writing, if you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, Write it down. Uh, number one is this. God gives us money as a seed to sow. You are sowing money in things that will grow bigger or more important in your life right now, whether you believe it or not. And what Paul is trying to teach God's people is don't just see money as a thing. Don't just see money as something that you need. No, see what God has already given you as a seed, a seed to put into things that you will empower through sowing the seed. Look what Paul says. He says in verse 9, that if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, wherever you're, wherever you're sowing. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully, wherever you're sowing. And then he goes on in verse 10, and he says, he who supplies seed to the sower. What does he say? God gives sowers seed. And I believe this with all of my heart. I'll never forget the first time I saw this passage through this lens. That, Paul, that God says, I'm looking for people who know how to sow seed into the grounds that I care about. God is looking for people who know that money has the power to create. Money has the power to grow things. And those who know and those who take God's money and put it into things God cares about, I believe God is looking for people like that because he sees sowers there. And he says, i got a sower who knows what I love. And so I'm going to pour into them seed so that they'll continue to pour into the grounds that I care about. And we'll see growth and development where my heart is. I love hearing the stories of this church. Last weekend, when I was preaching, I got down and somebody came running up to me from one of our other campuses. They worked at the campus the week before. They said, listen, you won't believe this. We got a brand new person at one of our new campuses, and this person could not wait to do two things. They could not wait to tithe and then also give their kingdom builders offerings. They couldn't wait till next week, Pastor. They gave it this week. It's one of the largest gifts they've given any church ever, and they gave it here because they are excited to sow into the kingdom of God. That's a beautiful thing to hear from somebody who belongs to this church. I love hearing those stories. Generosity, pouring into the things that God cares about. And what Paul says is, listen, you got to see money as a seed or you will, you will scatter it in places that don't matter. And I, I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to scatter where it matters. I want you to scatter your seed where it matters to you and to God. Now, where does this principle come from that we have seed and we sow it and all this kind of stuff happens? And where does that come from? Well, Paul's just read his Bible. He just read his Bible. The first, he didn't have to get far in the Bible either. It's on the first page. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. I want you to see it here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 talks about seed and seed-bearing plants. Look what it says. Um, then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation. Every sort of what? A seed-bearing plant. And trees that grow what? Seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants, and trees with seed-bearing fruit. And their seeds produced plants of, and trees of the same kind. And look what it says. Lastly, it says, and God saw that it was good. He, he likes this process. Yeah, he, he made the process, and he likes the process. And the process that he gave us is this. You take the thing that I give you, 
and you use it to produce more things that I have the power to give you. But listen, he puts the power and the potential in our hands. Seed-bearing fruit, seed-bearing plants. Okay, so I want to just give you some, some visuals here so that you can kind of internalize what I'm talking about here. I've got an apple. How many of us like apples? Yeah, you should like apples. An apple a day keeps the doctor right. Yeah, I, I eat about an apple a day. I, I have I've testified that the doctor is far away. Amen. So here's the deal. I enjoy apples. Maybe you don't. How many of you like apple pie? Amen. Doesn't get any more American than that. Praise Jesus. How, apple strudel, anybody? Apple crispers out there? Ooh, a lot of apple crispers. You people are crispy people. Okay. Here's the thing about the apple, though. If I cut into this apple, check this out. Here's what God gives me. He gives me something that I can enjoy. Look at all that real estate of enjoyment. Look at it. Beautiful lands here. And if I take this and I put it in my mouth and I eat it, I get health. I get well-being. Did you know? I read this somewhere. It must be true. Read it on the internet. must be true. Um, <laughs> that if you replace your morning coffee with an apple, you actually get the equivalent of a morning coffee energy boost from an apple. And it's better for you. I'm not giving up my coffee. I'm just sharing that with people who might be tempted to. <laughs> anyway, you eat the apple. It energizes your body. It nourishes you. There's vitamins. There's minerals here. I'm not sure about minerals. Vitamins. And uh, there's all kinds of goodness in here. And, oh, fibers in here. Come on. Want to stay regular? Yes? Okay. So you put it in your body, and, and, and then and you enjoy it. Like you enjoy the apple, but then once you're done with the apple, you get to that part, and you ever get to the part of the apple where you bite too far in? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you immediately regret it. You're like, oh, shoot. I went too far. I went to the seed sack. The seed sack stinks, right? And so what's in, though? What's in that seed sack, though? You take it out. Look what it says in there. What's that? What is that? Seed. Don't be ashamed to shout it out, okay? I enjoy it, and then God leaves me with a little gift. A seed after my enjoyment. And I take the seed and I plant it in whose soil? God's soil. Because you, you might have bought your land, but you still pay taxes to remind you that it's really not yours. Okay? And the government only owns it for a certain time because kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. Okay? So we take the seed that God has given us, we plant it in God's soil, and what comes up from the soil months or years later? A tree. And what's on the tree? How many apples? Many apples. And in the apple, how many seeds? Many seeds. Isn't this cool? God says you take what I give you, you plant it in the right places in the right way. And, 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 this, and this, by the way, after you enjoy it, after you enjoy it and you benefit from it, I'm giving you the potential to get more of it because this is how I set creation up to be. That if you plant the right seeds, you will bear the right fruit and you will have the right kind of life. Amen, somebody. Amen. So here's two things I want you to write down in your notes. God gives me things to enjoy and to employ. So your money can give you things that you enjoy. And I want you to hear me say this. You may, not get, you may not hear this from many preachers. I know growing up, I never heard this from preachers. I had to find this in, my, in the Bible myself, that it is okay to enjoy things. I never heard that from a preacher my entire life growing up. Anybody with me? All I ever heard was, if you're having fun, it must be sinful. Stop it. And everything was off limits. And, and I had this picture of God. Maybe you're like me. I had this picture of God. He was up in heaven. He was sitting on his throne. And he wasn't happy. He had his arms crossed. Because I did something to tick him off. And he just wanted me to have no fun. Stop it. Stop it. Pray more. Stop it. Be miserable. Like me. You know, that's, that's the image that we sometimes, the church has portrayed of God because everything's wrong. Can I tell you that the scripture says that everything God created is good. Amen. You say, well, why do we have so many problems? Because we, in our sinful nature, take God's good things and we twist them to use them as evil things. But they were never intended for evil. They were intended for good. And so here's the deal. Um, 
God gives you things to enjoy, and it is totally okay to enjoy God's good things. There on your notes, you'll see the passage that I want you to that, that I want you to read with me for a moment. First Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen says, "As for the rich in this present age." Now, last week we talked about who are the rich, Americans. Americans are rich. Even the poorest American is still richer by far and by comparison to the rest of the world. So this passage is talking to you. It's talking to me. As for the Americans in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Don't be prideful. And then don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches because they come and they go. But set your hope on who? On God, who richly provides us with everything to what? Isn't that cool? I get excited when I hear that my Father in Heaven wants me to enjoy stuff. I enjoy my life, friend. I have a very good life. My life is blessed. I, I like music and um, I like making music. I like playing around with instruments and electronic music and stuff like that. Uh, I create some music and, and I have a little man cave. Come on, every man needs a cave. And I have a man cave with all my instruments and I say, put a sign on the door, no wives or children allowed. Come on, somebody, right? And I go in there and I make my music. I enjoy it and I just, it's, it's just zero uh, anything other than just enjoyment. And I don't feel guilty about that because it's music and God is a big fan of music. There's 150 songs in the Bible. We call them Psalms. And I enjoy it. And I believe that my Father enjoys watching me enjoy His good things. And you need to hear this too. Otherwise, you will turn into a miserable Christian that nobody wants to be around. Enjoy what God gives you. It's, no it's not sinful to enjoy the good things that God gives you. Now look what he says. You don't just enjoy it, you employ it. Because look what he says in verse 18. They are to do good. Employ what God has given you. To do good, to be rich in good works and to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is truly life. Like you have the opportunity with what God gives you to enjoy it and then to employ it into what God's, uh, into the good things that God wants to do through you. Okay, now, if money is a seed that God gives you to sow, be careful where you sow it, because number two on your notes is this. Where you sow will grow. Where you sow your money will grow more of wherever you're putting your money. And again, this is not just about giving money to the church. I'm talking about your life. What you have coming back in your life in many respects is exactly what you have poured your money into in the past. So I'm going to share some things for you here. They might pinch, but they're so true. Be careful where you sow your money. It's your money. And it will grow wherever you sow. Um, some of you have children who have no respect for God. They ruin their lives. And then they come back to you to bail them out. And unwisely, you do it. And you think you're being a good parent. I want to tell you, you're not. You need to let that child struggle through without you subsidizing their immorality. Right. Remember the prodigal son takes his father's money, wasted in wild living, and ends up in a far country. And then the text says that a famine swept through the land. We always ignore the famine. Where did the famine come from? Who allowed the famine? God allowed the famine. And the famine, a bad thing, is actually a very loving thing to get that prodigal son's attention whereby he wakes up in the pig pit and says, my father's servants have it so much better than this. I will return. If you want to do right by your children, stop subsidizing their immorality and start saying, if you want me to bless you, you better put God first in your life. And I guarantee you, you start sowing into that and it will start growing in your life. This is just, I know it might pinch some, some parents. I know. I know because you're like, you're a sucker for a weeping child. But you need to start learning to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Like we have this, this Jesus is not a pushover. Your father in heaven is not a pushover. He wants you to be well. He wants you to be blessed. But he will never bless immorality because he knows what works and what doesn't work. And he loves you too much to leave you prospering in a foreign country. He wants you back in the house. So, 
Um, be careful where you're sending. I got another one. Uh, be careful about where you're sending your kids to school. <laughs> and I'm talking in particular about college. It is no secret, I don't think it's a secret to anybody here, that the university system of our country has lost its mind. Some of the places that claim to be the smartest, most prestigious universities in this country are now indoctrinating our children with absolute nonsense. Can I tell you, let the pagans pay for an education wherein their children get a major or a degree in gender studies. Can, can we just leave those, can we leave those degrees to the pagans? You send your kids to college to become doctors, lawyers, mechanics, whatever they're going to, things that matter to people. Let the pagans worry about that nonsense that nobody will ever hire them for. You be smart. This is your money. Sow it into something that your child will prosper in. It's good preaching. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's good preaching. Watch. Okay, here's another one. Um, entertainment habits. Are you funding, enter, just, it's a hard one, I know it's going to pinch. Are you funding entertainment ha things that actually produce shows and movies that make a mockery of your Christian faith? Because if, if you're doing that and you hate the way the country's going, just remember, you're part of the problem. Need to cut that off. You need to say, I'm not paying for that. Check the, research the movie before you rent it or buy it. Research it. You go in, I got a website, it's called pluggedinonline.com. I go there before we watch a movie because Cheryl and I, we got burned so many times. We're like, right, let's check it out. Let's see what they do. What do they do with the, the Christian faith? What do they do with the things that we value? What do they do? And if they make a mockery of it and they're trying to teach me another way to live that's not God's way, they don't get my money. Why? Because it's God's seed in the first place and I don't want to be planting God's seed in Satan's soil. Anybody with me? Come on, somebody. It's good preaching. Good preach. Some of you got kids that are totally sexually wild and, and totally sexually advanced. You're wondering where they're coming from. Did you maybe not sow it into their lives by laughing at fornicating movies while they watched you do it? And now you have a problem with them doing it and you're wondering where it came from. You may have sown into it. Watch out where you sow God's seed because it will grow through that seed. Um, how about this? Friends that repeatedly take advantage of you financially. They got a controlling habit, and they get all into financial mess, and they come keep coming back to you. You're the bailout person. You're the bailout person. It can be friends. It can be children. It can be somebody else. You just got to be careful here. You got to be careful here. I love what Joshua says. He says, listen, as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord, I'm going to give my money to the things God loves. I'm going to give my money to the things that God approves of because I want what God approves of to sow in my culture, in my world. I thought about this one. This one's going to sting. Oh, I don't even know if I should really share this one. It's not going to pinch. It's going to sting. Is that, can I say it? I, I really don't need your permission. I'm going to say it. I just <laughs> thought I'd bring you in there for a moment, make you feel like you're helping me. All right, but nonetheless, it's fine. How about this? And, and ladies, listen. How about this? Paying rent to live together. Ladies, ladies, please, 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 please listen. Young ladies, some, some dipstick someday is going to come and tell you it's a good idea we live together before we get married. Don't you listen to him. He's, he, he's a son of Satan. He's a liar. How dare you take your precious seed that God has given you and pour it into the kind of life whereby you become a commodity in his sexual enjoyment. In the words of the great theologian Beyonce, if he loves it, he better put a ring on You know the theologian I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. And you don't give in to his sexual advances until you're married. Because I don't know if you've heard that sex can produce children. Amen. Do they teach this in schools anymore or just how to put a condom on? What do they teach in schools? Okay. When you have sex outside of marriage and you're not married to the guy, you're basically playing Russian roulette with your future. 
And then you're going to pay money so that he has access to you all, all, all the time, like 24-7. You're going to pay money into a potential disaster for your future? Are you crazy? Nobody else is going to tell you this. I'm your pastor. I love you enough to tell you the truth even if you don't like it. Don't be foolish with your future. Honor God and he'll protect you. There's one thing that ticks me off, it is baby daddies. They're not going to heaven. I don't care what anybody tells me. They're not. You say, Pastor, that's rude, that's rude. I got a text that proves it. I got a text that proves it. It says, if a man will not care for his immediate household, he's worse than an unbeliever. First Thessalonians. Worse than an unbeliever if you won't pay, if you won't help those children, if you won't marry the woman and care for that child and raise that child in the fear and admonition of the Lord as he watches you or she watches you do things God's way even when it's difficult. This is your future I'm talking about. Amen? It's good preaching. Just letting you know, it's good preaching. What are you putting your money into? Where are you sowing your seed? Okay, I've talked about enough about the negative. Let me talk about the positive. In your notes there, there's a formula. 10, 10, 80. Here's what I want you to write down in the blanks. In the first blank, give. Second blank, save. Third blank, live. Learn to give, save, live. Everybody say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Give, save, live. You give 10% first. It's got to be first, and it's got to be non-negotiable because that's what God promises to bless, the 10, the tithe. So you give the tithe first, then you work to, play, to the place where you can save 10% second. I believe you should save 10% after you give 10%, and then you learn to live. You learn to live on 80%. And I'm living proof, and there are many people in this church living proof, it is possible no matter the income level. No matter the income level. How do I know? Loyola University just came out with a study. Loyola, Loyola University, Marymount University, came out with a study of income earners from $30,000 a year to $250,000 a year. And they asked a question, of all those income ranges, how much more money do you make to, to, need to make to feel comfortable? How much more money do you need to make to feel comfortable? And whether people were making $30,000 a year on this end of the spectrum or $250,000 a year on this end of the spectrum, they all said the same amount. 10% more, 10% more. They did a further study and they found out that if you just give them 10% more, guess what they want? 10% more. You give them another 10%, guess what they want? 10% more. And what I'm trying to tell you is it's a trap to think that more money is really the answer. The answer is to take the money you've got coming in and properly disperse it. Properly management, take control. So I got three things that you need to learn. Three things that you need to learn. Number one, learn to give. Learn to give. The Bible says in Proverbs 19.6, many seek the favor of a generous man. I said this um, in one service last week. I did, it didn't make it into all the services, so let me reiterate something here. Generous people, givers, have better lives. Amen. They have more friends, better opportunities, and a happier existence. How do I know? Very simple. You have a choice between a generous boss and a stingy boss. Which one are you going to bring your talents to? The generous boss. You have a choice between a generous friend and a stingy friend. Who are you going to want to spend more time with? The generous one. You have the choice between a generous possible spouse or a non-generous possible spouse. Which one are you going to choose to date? The generous. Thank you. One lady in this house knows what I'm talking about. Amen. It's not hard to figure out that generosity is attractive and stinginess is repulsive. And, and you need friends around you in your life that care for you and love you and are good to you. And I'm telling you, it, the scripture bears witness here. Um, many seek the favor of a generous man. And it's been tons, tons of studies about the number of friends you have, the better, the more deep the friendships, the better happiness quotient of the person. It's not rocket science, but you got to get generous. Here's what it says in Proverbs 11:25: A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, I say you got to learn to give. Do you know why? Because we don't give naturally. 
And everybody who's had children knows exactly what I'm talking about. A child's first word might be mama or dada, but their first favorite word is mine. You didn't have that one right. <laughs> mine, like the, like the birds in Finding Nemo. Mine, mine, mine. Like, you ever see a child be born? Look at their hands. I've seen three children be born. I've been there, right there. When they, when they come into life, it's just, oh, beautiful. And I watch their hands, and I watch their hands. Here's what their hands did. <laughs> Anybody who's ever going to have a child, just know, when you see this, you're in trouble. Because <laughs> that's what they're going to do for the first 30 years of their lives. <laughs> give me, give me, mine, 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 mine. You know, that's what they're going to do. I've also been there when people have died, and I've watched their hands, because I'm a pastor, I've been there. You know what they all do? They do this. Let it go. Learn to give before you have to do it. And if you do it earlier, you have a better life later. Learn to give now. A generous man will prosper. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, learn to give to the kingdom first. He says the Gentiles, the unbelievers, they seek after all these things. What things? Food, clothing, beauty, plenty. Your father knows you need them. So seek his kingdom first. And he will add all these things to you. I have, my wife and I have had a front row seat to watching God add things to our lives when we put his kingdom first. We've had a front row seat. We've seen it happen. Our very first house, we, we had the privilege of building our very first house. Well, it was half built, and we finished it off, and then we got into the house. Very small house, but when you're building a house, and, it's very, and you're, very, um, you're not making much money, you have to put all the cheapest, cheapest options in, right? Cheapest floors, cheapest bathroom fixtures, cheapest doorknobs, cheapest everything. I remember the front door, cheapest door you could find. Put it on the, put it on the front of the house. We were happy. We had a home. One day, I'm upstairs. Right after, by the way, a giving campaign many years ago in this church to get into our former building. And my wife and I, by faith, emptied our savings account and gave the whole amount to the church. And we were sitting at home in the, watching the, I remember we were watching the Patriots game. It was a fall afternoon. And I got a knock on the door. The guy next door to me was building the house next door. The contractor knocking on the door of my house. I see him outside. I'm like, oh, gosh, is he complaining about the, the, the border, the, 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 the property boundary? Is this going to be a problem? I open the door. He says, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm building the house next door. I saw that you have a very cheap door on the front of your house. I kid you not. It's a very cheap door right here. Very cheap. You got this on the bargain outlet, right? That's where you got that. I mean, yes, I did. Thank you for reminding me. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> So I'm building a house next door. Um, I got this door. I ordered it. I don't want it. It's not what the people that I'm building the house want. He showed me the door. Beautiful, ornate, like all these kind of glass, crystally, you know, you, you women know what I'm talking about. Beautiful door, right? Men don't care. All right. Uh, beautiful door with all the windows on it. Looked gorgeous. I, even as a man, I could tell better door. So he said, would you, would you like this door? I'm like, Yeah. Yeah, I'd like the door. He's like, fantastic. Uh, uh, uh. And then, and then uh, I'm about to take it from him. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm a contractor. I'm a builder. I know how to do this. Uh, I'd like to uninstall your door, and I'll put this door on there for you, and I'll make sure it's all lined up rightly. Do you know what you do when somebody asks you if they can do that for you? You know what you say? Yes, please. <laughs> That's what I said. Like, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> he goes to work. Well, I go back upstairs and watch the Patriots game. And my brother-in-law's watching with me, and he turns to me, because he overheard the whole conversation. I'll never forget this. He turns to me and says, why does stuff like that always happen to you? <laughs> because you put the kingdom of God first. Right. When you put the things that God cares about first in your life, he puts the things that you care about in your life first in his life. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I, I got scripture to prove what I'm saying is true. Learn to give for the purposes of bringing people to Christ, bringing people to heaven. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse 9. I tell you, Jesus says, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Unrighteous wealth is just money, okay? Unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. What is he talking about here? He's saying, use your money to bring people to heaven. Because when you die, if you believe in me, you're going to get to heaven. And it'll be very awkward for you if you don't know anybody. 
Make friends now. Put the kingdom first now. Make it possible for the church to reach people now so that when you die and you do this thing and you go like this, and this is going to happen to every single person listening to me right now. You're going to do this, whether you believe it or not. I know you don't like to think about it, but that's why you got to come to church so you can think about this and get perspective every once in a while. And you do this, and you die, and you close your eyes on this life, and you open your lives, your eyes in the next life. You will be surrounded by friends who are waiting for you to get there and to say to you, thank you for helping me get here. Your giving made it happen. That's what Jesus is saying. Learn to give. Number two in your notes there. Learn to invest. So again, this is not just about giving money to the church. It's about you. Learn to invest. Diversify. Where do I get that from? My financial advisor? No. Solomon. 2,800 years ago, Solomon said it, before anybody from Schwab or MetLife said it. He says in Ecclesiastes 11.2, divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks lie ahead. It's right in the Bible. God giving us financial advice. Isn't that cool? A couple of verses later, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. In other words, invest and work. And then he says, why? Because you don't know what the pro where, where profit will come from, one activity or the other, or maybe both. Learn to invest. Finally, learn to spend. Learn to spend. Some, some of you are in financial straits because you don't have a rein on your spending habits. And no matter how much money you get, you will still be in financial strain because you got to rein in your spending habits. Um, the, the proverb says a fool spends whatever he gets. Whatever you get, spend it. Okay, so this is why you need a budget. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is the definition of a budget. Here's what a budget is. Knowing where your money is going before you wonder where it went. <laughs> That's, what a, that's all a budget is. Telling your money where to go before you're wondering, where did it go? So you sit down. If you're married, you sit down together. You say, this is how much we're going to spend. we got to pay for our, we've got to give it to God first. We've got to save. Then we've got to pay the mortgage. Then we've got to pay the electric bill, the gas bill, the, the, the water bill, the sewer bill. We've got to pay maybe the cable bill. And we've got to pay these things. We've got to pay for food. And then, we gotta, and, then, and then on top, now we can talk about clothing and shoes and makeup and golf games. But those things don't come first. You with me? Like this is simple stuff, but we don't think about it. And because we don't think about it, we end up messed up. Amen. Tell your money where it goes before you're wondering where it went. Somebody said money talks. Money does not talk. Do you know what money does? Money just gets up quietly and walks away. <laughs> Tell it where to go so that you're not wondering where it went. So there's so much more we could share about this, but I don't have time on a Sunday morning. We have, we have a class called Financial Peace University. If you have not taken this class, you have got to take this class. April 10th, it starts up again. We do this class because we care about your financial life. Most divorces end, most divorces happen because of finances. Just a fact. Most people can't go to school, can't get the education, can't do what they want to do with their life because of finances. Don't let finances make you their slave anymore. You tell them what to do. You've got to learn the principles. There's so many more. April 10th, even if you're a teenager, you should do this. Learn now so that you don't get up uh, messed up later on in your 30s. So 8, 6.30 to 8.30 on Tuesday nights, I'm telling you, it'll be the best investment you make in your financial future. Number three, and finally in your notes. God causes kingdom sowers to grow in every way. That's what Paul's going to say here. God causes kingdom sowers to grow in every way. Look at all the Alls and everys that Paul unpacks in these two verses that I have for you. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. Like there's nothing that God won't bless you with when you put his kingdom first. And then in verse 10, 11, he says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in, uh, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Look at all the... Look at all the alls and all the everys that God says, look, when I know that I can trust you with the seed and you're going to put it where it belongs, I'm going to bless you. I can't get the seed out. Forget it. Okay. I, I'm going to bless you with so much more so that in all your areas of all your life, you're able to abound in all the things that I have ready for you to do. That's the God that we serve. 
All series long, I've been telling you stories of people from among your numbers who have tested God in the tithe and seen him blow them away with blessings. I don't want to share another story with you of you guys. I want you to hear it from them directly. It's one of the most powerful testimonies of tithing and giving I've ever heard. Watch this. Hi, my name is Seth. This is my wife, Brooke. We have three children and three dogs and a very busy life. We've been coming to Waters Church now since May of 2016. And at the time, I had a clothing business. Hi, my name is Seth. This is my wife, Brooke. We have three children and three dogs and a very busy life. We've been coming to Waters Church now since May of 2016. And at the time, I had a clothing business, an online clothing business. I was doing really well in it. I had maintained like being debt-free in the clothing business up to that point. It was on our hearts that we wanted to be able to give more to the church, um, but because I was literally pouring every last penny into this business endeavor, I felt like there was, there was no way to give more without something else falling through. It definitely put our family, I don't want to say at odds, but it was definitely a challenge because we had all these things that we had prioritized and things that were a priority for us, right? So we had student loans, we had a car payment, and we have three kids, we have a house, a mortgage. And um, just trying to figure out, like, how do we make all this stuff like work together? So one of the things we did is we went to Financial Peace yeah. um, to try to get on the same page, make sure we were aligned on, you know, what does God say about money? What should we do with our money? Are we sure that we're prioritizing things? And then through a whole bunch of prayer, um, kind of got to the place where the cost around the business was just um, was too much and wasn't really aligned with where we wanted to be. And um, just prayed and prayed and prayed what to do, what to do. Basically, we decided we were gonna sell the business and then I literally got down on my knees and I um, was praying God's word out to him um, in Malachi when it says, bring to me the full tithe and see that the uh, floodgates of heaven will, will open. We doubled our tithe and I listed all my inventory online um, and I would get dings on my phone and my computer whenever I sold something and I was used to getting like a ding like an, an hour. I came home that night I started getting ding, 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 and it literally did not stop for a week. In one week um, I sold three times as much as my best month. We ended up selling so much inventory that we actually had to call um, our friends in our small group and they actually showed up, um, which was really kind of surprising because it was like, hey, can you come help us out and pack clothes and put postage on stuff? And I would leave and go to work and then come home and there were all these people in my house like trying to move inventory. And It was insane that we um, were able to pay off all of our student loans and we paid off our car to become completely debt-free in a week. In the midst of like <clears throat> selling all that inventory off, I got a letter from the company I'd originally purchased the inventory from saying that if I had any inventory left, I could sell it back to them for 100% and they would pay all of my shipping. Yeah, so God like rocked our worlds, like beyond. And then the other part of this that's crazy is we had a situation with health insurance with our newborn. Yes. And she wasn't covered for a whole bunch of her initial uh, doctor's visits. And we got this random bill from our doctor saying, hey, your insurance company basically didn't honor this. And so we just looked at the bills we're like, well, you know, we gotta do what's right. We need to pay the doctor. You know, it's not the doctor's fault this happened. And just wrote him a check, gave it to him. And then a series of weeks went by and the doctor's office came back and said, yeah, we're actually gonna give you a refund. We're um, gonna refund all your money. Yeah. Like after we had tithed. Kind of out of nowhere, just decided they're gonna refund us back. We might have been paid. But like God knew that He was gonna show us something like new and unique about Himself that we should have known the whole time. And we were faithful, we just gave, it was an act of obedience. And that in that, He just showed up in a way that we couldn't, like we couldn't plan that. On paper, it's not easy. It doesn't look like it's gonna be easy. It may not make sense, but the reality is like, God spoke things into existence. Like He knew, like he knew us before we were born. And um, to be able to put your faith in that and to trust Him that He's got your back, um, even when things don't look like they're going right or that they're not going the way you want them, um, like they're always going the way that God wants them to be. And that He's gonna direct your paths, He's gonna figure things out. One of the biggest lessons I learned is that He's always faithful regardless of what we think. Um, and when we act in like obedience to Him, He is for sure uh, gonna show up. We've been Christians our entire life. and.
just to see him move like that was um, shocking. And I'll, I'm was telling him like I'm forever changed. Amazing. I, one last thing I want to share, and then we're and then we're done. We're gonna take this offering. So. I've been asking the Lord lately. I said, Lord, you know, when I used to give to these offerings, I'd get these huge financial windfalls back, and you don't do that lately, Lord. I mean, where, what's the deal? Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm more blessed than I've ever been before in my life, and I have no needs. The Lord has blessed me. He's blessed me to the sustained blessing. And uh, he said, open your eyes. Open your eyes. I said, what? Open my eyes? What do you mean? So... My, my 16-year-old daughter got her first job a couple of months ago. It's like, whoo, thank God she's making her own money finally. But you know, uh, she had chores, and she did the chores, and we would give her a certain amount of money every week for doing her chores. And well, when she started having a job and making her own money, I said to her, listen, that's your money now. Like, now you're just doing chores because you're a part of the family. That's the rule around here. <laughs> now make money out there. And uh, she, she didn't like it. She was, you know, kind of upset, but she's a good kid. She didn't throw a fit or anything. She went upstairs to her bedroom. And so later that night, I'm logging on to our online giving thing, and I'm checking the, the, the giving going on at our church. I do this regularly. And uh, I scan down the names, and I see my daughter's name on the list. And I know what she got for her first check. And she gave 10% back to God. She brought 10% back to God on her very first official paycheck. And I was overwhelmed I never told her to tithe. I never said, you better tithe or else we're tithing. No, no, no. She just decided to log on to waterschurch.org slash give on her own, set up the account, and gave. And God opened my eyes. And he said, that's the blessing I've given you now. And I think about this. If, I, if God never gives me another blessing for the rest of my life, may he give my wife and I children who honor and fear the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other blessing I want than that. And so I, as soon as I saw that, you know what I did? I logged onto our bank, and I transferred the money that I used to give her for chores right into her account, <laughs> like immediately. I was like, no, if she's going to honor God, I'm going to honor her. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Tim, I'm a way better father than you. And he is. If I was willing to do that for my daughter, you better believe that your heavenly father will do something much better than that for you. Amen. I'm so excited to give today because I know, I know that God honors it in ways that money can't always quantify. And so I'm excited. I'm going to be the first one today. I'm going to be the first one. So now I've done this in th two other services already. So this is just, you know, <laughs> Not officially the first, but I did this because I want you to see we are with you. We are not just telling you to do it. Thank you, Paul. We are with you. And we want to see people come to Christ. And we want to make you happen. So give with the joy of the Lord today. That what you're doing is investing. Last thing on your notes. I know some of you are waiting to write it down. Last thing on your notes is this. God is ready to do anything for those who sow into the kingdom. Just like I was ready to do. Give my daughter that money that she used to get for chores. God is willing to do anything for those who put his kingdom first. He's looking for you to do it, and he'll bless you for it. Let's give, not with compulsion, not out of regret, not out of guilt. Let's give with joy because we know our Father is good. Amen. God bless you all.